Welcome to our show, Calm is Hot, short for Communication is Hot. I'm your host, Jade. My pronouns are she, her, hers. Storytelling is a huge part of how humankind has communicated for centuries, and it's played a crucial role in my development, growth, successes, and magical connections on my journey of life. I believe each of us has a story to share. My goal is to create space for underrepresented voices to be able to do so and improve our communication skills so we may be the best versions of ourselves and exist in harmony. Make sure you stay tuned weekly for new episodes by yours truly and with guests. Stay in touch on Instagram at calm underscore is underscore hot. Details in the show notes below. Lastly, all content is intended for educational purposes only. Let's do this. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Calm is Hot. Short for Communication is Hot. I'm your host, Jade. My pronouns are she, hers. Today, we have a very special guest. They've been described as a visionary in the BDSM community. They've been interviewed by a ton of different people and news outlets. They've also built uh, an empire, really, that encompasses so much, including education. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, everybody. I'm Mistress Marley. My pronouns are she, her, and bad bitch. Whichever one you want to call me, I'm accepting of it. I am a pro dominatrix in New York City, and I specialize in financial domination. I also throw kink parties for Black people and Afro-Latino people. And I am also an educator. So those are my things. I'm hoping to add on more to that list. And I'm just so excited to be speaking with everybody. You are such an icon in so many different communities. It is an honor to be able to interview you today, have this conversation. And I'm sure people are wondering, what is a dominatrix? Would you do you want to give us just a quick kind of definition of course so a dominatrix or a dom which you can go d-o-m or d-o-m-m-e it's basically the dominant party in a dom and a submissive relationship so basically we have control it's a big part of bdsm it deals a lot with sessions and consent and things of that nature so there's so many different things i could go on for years i was talking about all the different things within bdsm but the gist of being a dominatrix is you are the one in control, you hold power. I love that. And I'm sure we're going to get into more of that very soon. I'm sure many people are wondering what motivates you to do this work and to be specifically centering certain communities. What motivates me to really center the Black and Afro-Latina communities? Because when I came into sex work, BDSM, this whole community, I started out as a hostess at a swinger club that was mostly for older white people. And I realized that, you know, there wasn't enough space for us. At that time, I was 24 years old, very young, working those types of parties. But I was like, what would this look like with people that look like me, people my age, people that want to come together and be able to really explore their fantasies without judgment? Because often in the Black community, these things are judged by our family members, our friends, our people around us. We're not as open about sexuality besides from music where we could just explore ourselves and be ourselves. So that's why it was really important for me to create these parties. And I started out with a small party in Airbnb, July of 2019. 
And next thing you know, now I'm throwing parties in actual like castles and dungeons and things of that nature. So just being able to grow and just, you know, meet so many different people, but provide something that was missing for my community. It's like, it's, I feel like it's the best thing I've done in my life. My gosh. And I'm sure it's, and I've seen, I follow your work, huge fan. And I've seen so many different, especially Black femmes, just comment and provide feedback, even on your Twitter, just being like, thank you so much for what you do for, for creating space. And that is, you're changing lives and you're changing this entire industry in so many ways. In so many ways. It's just really important for us to just have our own spaces. I mean, there were times where I was just the hostess at the Springer Party, the white club I worked at. And I felt like I was being looked at as a fetish. I felt like, you know, I was being kind of like disrespected, which I didn't realize until later. I would go home and be like, wait, they said something really inappropriate to me in regards to my race. Like, just feeling like you're being watched. But I started Black and Kinky because I was like, I want us to not only, you know, come together and explore sensuality and sexuality, but also I want us to feel like when we're leaving, we're leaving with lifelong friends. I mean, there's been people that have come to my parties that are engaged now, that are together now. Like, you know, met their partner at my party. So it's like just creating those connections is what makes this all worth it. Oh my gosh. This is so cool. Yes. You're truly changing lives and giving people opportunities and creating spaces that didn't exist. Right. I I know that you spoke to feeling like it's the best thing you've done in your life, but at some points, do you ever kind of go, oh my gosh, this is my life. This is what I'm doing. I definitely do that, especially looking at where I came from. So I was born and raised in North Carolina. I went to school all in North Carolina. I didn't move to New York until for grad school. But my whole background prior to this was just fashion. I just knew fashion, worked fashion retail, fashion buying, intern, volunteer, all that stuff. So to look at myself now versus like six years ago, it's like, what in the world? Like you would have never been able to tell me that. I mean, you probably could have told me I'd be doing something different because I was always that girl growing up that wanted to be different than everyone else, but not this. Wow. Wow. So now I'm curious to know kind of how you found it. So I pretty much, my first introduction to BDSM, like a lot of people, unfortunately, is Fifty Shades Grey. <laughs> um, so when I first saw that movie, I was like, okay, you know, this is very interesting. I know in my personal sex life, I was very adventurous or whatever. The most I could be adventurous with men that were just like not experienced in that. And then when I came to New York, I was looking for side jobs. That's when I found a job being the hostess at the Swingers Club. And there's an older lady that worked at Coat Check and we would have conversations on our breaks. And she was seeing how she used to be a dominatrix back in her day and, and all that stuff. So I started looking up more. I stumbled across videos. I found financial domination, which was my first real introduction into it. I found that online. So for a long time, I was just financial dominatrix. I was nervous about doing in-person sessions. I don't think, I didn't think at that time that that was for me, like physically, you know, whipping someone and humiliating someone. But then once I started doing online financial domination, I was like, I'm here for this. Like, this is so easy. And people hear financial domination now and people still think like, there's no way that's true, but it's very much so amazing. Very I, I Yes. I mean, oops, maybe from a little personal experience, I can agree. <laughs> it is, I think it's one of the things that I found surprising experimenting with it, kind of, you know, dipping my toes in it was, 
oh my gosh, like there are people who like are genuinely into this. And I think before I got into it, I was like, nah, nobody would just like Venmo me a hundred bucks just to Venmo me like that. That can't happen. And as we both know, it does. <laughs> it does. I still, I mean, I still get people now that says, well, you're lying. There's no way you have to do something with them. Uh, you're showing them nudity. You're, you're meeting up with them and having sex. And I'm like, no, they literally just send you money for existing. I mean, just like some people have fetishes and kinks revolving feet. Some have fetishes and kinks revolving sending money. So, you know, it's something where it's like, you learn about it along the way, but even still now I'm like, this is real. <laughs> it's real. And they should send you money for existing because you are like amazing badass. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Now, another question that I have for you, this might be a little different. So you also go by mistress. Yes. And I think some people might be curious to know what that means. So within this community, most dominatrix, um, we choose different names we want to go by, right? So some just like to go by goddess. Some like to go by empress. Some like to go by queen, princess, whatever it might be. I chose Mistress not only because it went with Marley, so Mistress Marley just sounded good, but also because, you know, after doing my research and learning about a mistress, a mistress is also someone that takes on a teaching role of teaching others. So not only am I teaching other doms or other people that want to enter the kink world, I'm also teaching my subs when I have sessions with them. I'm teaching them how to approach me. I'm teaching them how to treat Black women. Um, majority of my subs are white men. I'm teaching them you know, how to approach me, how to respect me, but I'm also teaching them on how to respect themselves and how to know what they need to come to me. Because yes, we're in control, we have all the power, but at the end of the day, the subs, safety matters too. So you have to think like, you know, this is a whole human being I'm working with. It's not just an object that, you know, no matter what we might say in humiliation, at the end of the day, we know they still have wants and needs that we have to tend to. Love that. And very quickly, I just want to go back to you are providing education and especially as a black woman if you are educating white men about how to treat black women you should be compensated exactly <laughs> that is the least they can do and also i love that you're speaking to the reality that no matter what the power play is there's always got to be this point of recognition of the humanity and that subs or doms who are all parties involved do deserve some care and whatnot. And I'm assuming that comes in the form of aftercare. Yeah, so there's aftercare. I also like to do something called before care. So my before care can either be in session or beforehand in text conversation, whatever it might be. It's really just me asking them where they are mentally because I think sometimes in this industry, we look at checking on them after, but it's like, we need to know what they are before, how are they before, what's going through their head, what have they been through the past few months, did anything happen with a previous time that they didn't like and they would not want it to happen again, you know? So I think before care is also very important. Yes. Oh my gosh, you are a visionary. Like what? Everybody's stuck in aftercare only and you're like, wait, also this. Right, exactly. Oh my gosh, I love this. Thank you so much for just expanding whole world and experience for people there is a reason you are so popular <laughs> yeah you are too kind i love it i'm like oh <laughs> i just give credit where credit's due well i appreciate that yeah 
Now, I think some people might be wondering what your experiences have been as an educator. As an educator, it's been rewarding and challenging at the same time. Of course, working with humans in general is going to be a challenge, um, especially someone like me. I'm an Aquarius. I don't know how many people are into Zodiacs, but like we're very to ourselves. We're very careful about who we put our energy around. So for me to, you know, have to put that aside and really teach so many different people that have so many different questions, so many different backgrounds, people that have like issues or things going on, because, you know, this isn't just cut and dry teaching where you learn this, 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 and that's it. You have to take into account people's backgrounds, people's safety, it's sex work. Like, why are they coming into this work? What do they expect to get from this work? What issues may they might have along the way? Because, you know, I've always had a stand for sex workers. Two summers ago, I did a sex work march in New York and I spoke in front of all these people in Times Square and just really the importance of that we are people too. So I think my only challenge is with educating is Sometimes feeling like you can't reach everybody, even when you try your best. And I'm working on that slowly in the sense of you can't please everyone. People learn in different ways. That's why I always tell my students too, like, it's like college. You just don't have one professor. If my teachings don't touch you, I will recommend you to someone else. But, you know, at least I try my best. I love that. You truly, and, and I'm just giving credit where credit is due. You are truly creating spaces where people can feel safe and welcome and also have a relatable teacher, especially for other Black femmes who want to get into this, who might not feel as connected with yeah. people who are offering this education. So you're not only creating spaces that are very unique and totally needed, but you're also so aware. And I, that is, I just wanted to call attention to that because I think that is so necessary in this industry, especially in sex work. Exactly. I was going to bring this up at the end of our, at the end of the episode, but you have the Sex Academy, correct? Yes. Do you want to say more about that? Yeah. So I have the Sex Academy. It's hosted on Patreon. It is for 18 and up. So basically it's a learner's go type thing. So Sex Academy has been around since March, 2020. I started at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, and it kind of just grew. There's over a hundred courses, there's videos, there's photos, there's text courses. There's so many different things. And you kind of just subscribe. It's only $5 a month. I try to make it very affordable um, for a lot of people. And you just learn so many different things from safety and sex work, consent, marketing yourself, advertising, how to set up session, how to protect your identity. I mean, I could just go on and on on how many classes there are, but there's so many different things. And it's really for the beginner sex worker, or even for the sex worker that might have left and needs to come back and just kind of, you know, brush up on those skills that they once had. So it's a, it's a place for everyone. And it's for all genders, um, all races. It's just for everybody to come and learn. Wow. Oh my gosh. You are, you are a badass. <laughs> and you should be getting paid way more than you're just, everyone go pay. <laughs> everybody. <laughs> yes. Take the course, enroll in the course and also send tips. Yeah, tips. <laughs> now I'm interested in hearing just some more about your personal experiences, because I think for a lot of people who might be listening, you may be their first introduction into this lifestyle as also a career. And so I'm wondering, do you have any specific experiences you'd want to share? Any ad advice maybe or yeah, for sure. So I definitely will say for anyone coming into this line of work, please realize that it is work. 
a lot of people just see the glamour on social media. They see the outfits, they see the pictures and the videos and the screenshots of the tributes and the sessions, but there's so much that works up to get to that point. And even when you're there, there's so much work that went into it. Definitely take care of yourself mentally and emotionally when you're in this work because sex work, I want to say, is the one job where we get, what's the word I'm looking for? We get insulted on the job, right? So it's like, yes, you have all these people that might admire you, but then you have the assholes, the anonymous assholes on the internet that are like, oh, go get a real job. Sex work is not work. You're a whore. You're like, whatever. None of those words bother me, but it's like for someone that might be coming into this a little not experienced or maybe like they're not mutually where they're supposed to be, that type of stuff could affect you. So I try to be really transparent about that with my students. I try not to sugarcoat anything. I let them know that this is work. Like you have to create your own schedule. You have to do content. You have to still file taxes. You have to know how to set your prices. You have to deal with clients hitting you up all throughout the night. Like it's so many different things. So my advice would be just be ready. Look at it as work. It can be very rewarding in the end. It could be fun creatively, but also look at it as like, you're going to have to put some work in. Yeah, this, I feel like you're speaking to setting boundaries. Exactly. Yeah. Do you want to speak just a little more to that? The importance of setting boundaries, maybe how you do it and or just how important it is? Yeah, so my boundaries when I first started versus now are definitely different. So when I first started, you know, I was seeing everything as like dollar sign, dollar sign, dollar sign. Like, I don't care what time of the night it is. I'm going to do it. If I'm tired, like, I need the money. There were even some bad boundaries I had where like I was not getting deposit up front. So I would do a whole session and never made any money. Yeah. So those are things I dealt with. But my boundaries now are I set my hours. So I don't take any sessions after 9 p.m. If most subs want to discuss with me or talk with me, they need to tribute or tip in some way. I'm not asking for like a million dollar tip, but at least send a token of something, some gratitude, whatever. I definitely have the boundary up to even session with me. I need some type of ID. I need to know who you are, background check, whatever it might be, because I don't want to put my safety at risk. And then one of my biggest boundaries is definitely putting myself first and self-care. Because <laughs> uh, this job will drive you crazy. There's times where you know, in the past where I've been on Twitter on the internet, you see so-and-so is pumping out all this content. You feel like you didn't do anything for the week. So then you're beating yourself up like, oh, I'm not a good sex worker because I haven't been doing anything. But that's another piece of advice I would give. Don't look at anyone else's journey because you'll only mess up your own journey. So it's not, this is slow and steady. It's not a race to the finish. There's always someone that's going to be looking for your content. There's always someone, I mean, sex sells all the time. So it's not something where it's like, oh, there's only five clients and I have to get my stuff out to get one of those clients. No, you'll never know who's really watching and who wants to, you know, buy your thing. So I really would just say, put yourself first. Don't get distracted by what everybody else is doing because then you'll start beating yourself up. I wish I could just retweet that. <laughs> I'll tweet it. I'll tweet it later. So it can be retweeted. <laughs> I will totally retweet it. <laughs> and it's so true. I love that you call attention to the fact that this line of work is not meant to be a competition, but rather it's everybody's individual journey. Mm -hmm. I think people might be wondering, how did it go when you communicated to the people in your life that this is your career? I think they kind of just stumbled upon it. I'm going to be very honest. So I feel like my mom and dad have been following me on social media for a long time. And I feel like they stumbled upon it, but they didn't really come to me about it. I think my parents have always been the type of parents where they want their children to come talk to them first. 
So I simply just told my parents, like, hey, I get paid for like bullying men. I get paid for humiliating men. Like, you know, it took a while to explain to like to explain it, but then they were just on board. Like my dad was making me business cards. Like my mom was like asking me all these questions. So I want to say there's no one in my life right now of importance that does not agree with what I do. So I want to say mostly everyone's on board. I mean, even my friends work my events. One of my best friends, my assistant, my other friends bartend, like everyone is pretty much on board with it. And I think that's because growing up, I was always that girl that had her own identity. I was always doing something different. I was always known for wearing this outfit or doing this thing or whatever. So it kind of was like, we're not really surprised. Like we knew that, you know, Marley would be this person. So I think communication for me in that sense, it just was something that happened to come out, but it definitely was a good experience. And I do acknowledge my privilege in that because I know a lot of sex workers cannot come out to their family members, friends or anything because they might get disowned or they might get harmed or anything of that nature. So I definitely acknowledge my privilege in that sense. Wow. Wow. And I'm loving the fact that you have the supportive family. I'm loving the fact that you have supportive friends and networks and just calling attention to the mental health aspect of this line of work. I think it's necessary that sex workers have support and people who, who we can trust. And so it's beautiful to hear you speak to this. And I also am so grateful that you kind of have this openness. I'm also interested in knowing just a little bit more about your journey in terms of like the progression, right? Because you went from working at the club to now being interviewed by like New York Times and everybody and quite quickly over just a few years. How has that been? I want to say it's still definitely a shock, but it's not something that I feel like I didn't deserve. It was something that kind of just happened. I don't think there was ever a time where I reached out to anyone and was like, can you interview me for this? I kind of just kept being myself, kept posting on my social media, kept doing the authentic work, whether it was the march, whether it was doing toy drives for sex workers with kids whether it was doing um, backpack drives or, you know, helping so many different people. And I just kept being myself. And I think the biggest thing that people see in my brand is that I'm really big on the videos. So I love making funny videos with my subs, videos in general that would get people talking, but just happens to come out. So seeing where I started to where I am now, I definitely can't say that I knew that was going to happen, but I definitely can say I'm deserving. Only because I think I keep myself really humble. I did something that I didn't see when I first came into this. I didn't see other doms teaching new baby doms or, you know, teaching them how to do this and that or whatever. So there was a lot of gatekeeping going on in the industry where it's like, we're not letting anyone know anything. We're just going to, you know, you got to learn how we learned. You got to just like, no, I didn't believe in that because there were so many things that I wish I would have been taught when I first got into this. So like I said, just creating those spaces and, you know, Seeing where I am now, I can only go up from here, you know, and just knowing that, like, I'm only 28. I just turned 28 last week. So it's like, yeah, so it's like. Happy birthday. Just seeing how much I've accomplished in such a short time, you know, and it's like, I think the the biggest reason why the universe is so putting all these blessings on me is because I've stayed authentic and I, my one thing is to really help, and, you know, that's just how I feel. You are so deserving. I love Thank that. Yes, I love that you use that word. You truly are. 
And I only hope that you continue to grow your empire. And coming to a close, I just want to give some time and space for us to talk about things that you have as upcoming projects and opportunities for folks. Yes. Also put that information in the bio, but you have the lingerie line geared towards sex workers that you recently launched. Yes. Yes. And was that, was part of that really exciting because of your background in fashion? Yeah. So it was a part of me feeling like fashion wants to my baby and I kind of pushed it away a little when I got into this lifestyle. So it was a part of me being able to connect with something that once brought me happiness. So I feel like sometimes in sex work, we get so caught up in the work that we forget to bring on hobbies or do other things that are important to us. So me bringing back the lingerie line is like, not only is it a business venture, but I'm still looking at it as a hobby, just being able to put those things together. And I really want to gear it towards sex workers because I see all these lingerie lines in their campaigns. And I'm like, there's never a campaign for sex workers. And we're the one that we buy all the stuff. We have to have this type of clothing for whether we're stripping, webcamming, escorting, whatever we're doing, we are wearing the sexy clothing. And so I felt like that was something that was missed. So that's why I really was big on like gearing up towards sex workers and even a percentage of the sales that I get go towards mutual aid funds for sex workers. So, yeah. You just consistently blow my mind. You're like giving back in every avenue of life. And I, I'm, I'm very honored to know you. And you're also working on opening up a dungeon in Brooklyn. Yes. So that will be open, I want to say, in the next two weeks. We've been getting some amazing donations from the community. We, me and my business partners, Goddess Rue and Goddess Bria, we saw how there was like a lack of dungeons owned by Black women. And also just us having, like trying to book with other dungeons, feeling there's passive aggressiveness from like the white dungeon owners and always just being gave the run around and feeling like we're being watched while we're doing sessions. So we were like, we need a space where like it's ran by us for us, you know? So that's why we're going to open our dungeon and it's going to be amazing. And I'm very excited for that. I am so excited for you to open it. Yeah. And then the, the other event that I wanted to give you space to just speak to is So you're also doing the goddess brunch. So I've been doing the goddess brunch since, I want to say 2019. So the next one will be in DC. I try to go to different cities throughout the year. And basically Goddess Brunch is a space for aspiring or current Dom sex workers on um, whatever you, whatever umbrella you fall under to come and basically have brunch network. And you also learn. So we'll have real submissive men there and they get to practice on the submissive men. They get to have um, a full line of brunch. They get to have mimosas. They get to connect with me and other Doms. It's just an all around, just kind of like, event where we truly connect and I wanted to start that event because I'm like yeah there's a lot of dungeon events out there but what dungeon events are mixing brunch and making it really like a fair where we dress up and feel like really good and any other people that's in the industry or want to get in the industry so we've had so much fun in goddess brunches I don't know about you but growing up in my culture food was always the center of gatherings and so it's like when I heard about the Goddess Brunch, I was like, oh my gosh, this is the coolest event I've ever heard of. Yeah. I'm so grateful that you host it. Yes. Yes. I love it. It's such a good time. And I get to also, my assistant, like I said, who's my best friend, gets to come and helps me out. And I meet so many different people and I connect with so many different people and it's just a good time. Yeah. February 19th, I'm having a party for Black and Kiki called Femme Fatale. 
So yeah, it's a party for Black femmes to come together and just sexually explore and learn and just, well, not really learn because it's more like a party, but you know, people watch other people learn too, but like different kink things. There's, you don't even have to be in the kink world to come if you just want to like, you know, be around other femmes and stuff like that. So it's going to be a good time. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. And I am so grateful for you. Are there any final thoughts that you have as we come to a close? Maybe something that we didn't get to talk about that you want to mention uh, or anything you want to go back and just speak more on or? So I have a class coming up on February 25th. It's a virtual Zoom class. I'm currently promoting it on my website, my Twitter, my Instagram. Basically, the class is called Femdom and Spendom and Learning Humiliation and How to Get Treatments. Because I think one of the biggest questions I get is, how do I humiliate someone online? How do I humiliate someone in person? I never know what to say. I never know how to fill up the time. So I'm going to thoroughly teach that class. It's a two-hour course, and it's going to be a great time. It's $15, and I'm going to actually have a real sub that I'll be humiliating on camera so people can be able to see like how that goes. So, yeah. You are just consistently educating everybody, and I'm here for it. Yes, thank you. Yes, maybe I'll have my students sign up for it as extra credit. <laughs> That would be great. We're going to laugh. We're going to learn. We're going to have a good time. But yeah, truly. I love that. Thank you so much for your time, your emotional labor that you've put in just by participating in this conversation and for being you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Until next time. Bye.